Heavenly Father, we thank you for the church, and we thank you for the one who is the head of the church, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he gave his life for us to establish the church. We thank you that he sent his spirit to lead us and guide us in the church. God, and we thank you that he's given us the church, that we don't have to live this Christian life on our own, but that you have organized something where we would have um, encouragement, accountability, uh, leadership, fellowship, God, just all these things that we need help, Lord, from a body of believers. And God, we want to pray that our church would be an accurate reflection of what you want. God, that our church would be what's described here, where there's a whole body that's all working together. And the result of that is we all grow. We all become more like Jesus Christ as we all seek to love and serve one another and to minister to one another. God, that's our goal. That's our prayer. Even as we gather again this morning, um, and so we lift it all up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you've got your notebooks, and if you didn't get one from last time, there's some on that back table with some pens. But this is going to be session number six now. Session number six. And the title for session number six is, What's Love Got to Do With It? And if that gets a certain song stuck in your head, I apologize. And if it doesn't, consider yourself blessed. And uh, I chose that title not to promote a certain song that gives particularly terrible relationship advice, if we're being honest. I chose that title because I think it's a very valid question for what we're talking about. I mean, the theme for these two Saturday mornings is the essentials of spiritual leadership. And I think it's a very, very valid question to ask, okay, what does love have to do with spiritual leadership? And I'll be very upfront with my answer. It has everything to do with spiritual leadership. And I, I would even say the reverse of that, that leadership without love is nothing. In fact, I'd even say leadership without love is pretty much less than nothing because it's a negative, right? Leadership without love is nothing. And let's take our Bibles and remind ourselves of this by going to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Maybe verses 4 through 8 were read at your wedding, right? That's the part of 1 Corinthians 13 that is very familiar even in our culture, even outside the church. Love is patient and kind, doesn't envy or boast, it isn't arrogant or rude, and so on. But sometimes, especially in church, we miss the first few verses. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1, says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Right? Imagine coming to church on Sunday morning, and instead of you know, a band playing together, it was just Jason up there just you know, just hitting the cymbal as hard as he could. Now, I think some people, maybe that's how they feel like it is sometimes, but it's not. He's a great drummer. But imagine that, right? You'd be like, eh, no, I, I'm not digging this, right? And he's saying that's what, hey, if you've got all these amazing gifts, but you don't have love, ugh, it's, it's a negative. It's not good. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, that would be helpful for spiritual leadership, Right? If you understood everything and you could see into everybody's heart, that would be useful. But it says, if you had all that, and if you had all faith, so as to remove mountains, 
but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, even if I'm making some of the sacrifices that leadership will require, but have not love, I gain nothing, right? Love is irreplaceable when it comes to the church, and I want to say especially to spiritual leadership. And there's an illustration we've used at church before, but just, you know, if you're thinking about writing down a few zeros, if you write down three zeros, right, what does that add up to? Zero. But now put a number in front of it, and you got, you know, a one or a five, or a, you got 1,000 or 5,000 or 9,000, right? Now we, now we got something to work with. There was one author that was writing a book um, on love, and, and he used what I thought was a great illustration of those zeros. That's kind of like the other things we got going on at church, right? Uh, I mean, hey, maybe the, the, the teaching ministry or the kids' ministry or, or other things that we got going on, right? That, that's those things. And if you have all those things but you don't have love, you've got nothing. But love is like that number at the front, that number that gives all of those other numbers greater meaning. And that's where, hey, those zeros aren't nothing because I'm going to say, hey, the more zeros the better, right? When you get that birthday check or that Christmas check, I mean, the more zeros, the better, right? But if there's not that number in front, everything else is, is meaningless. And the same, I mean, all the, the, the skills, I mean, you could be the best conversationalist, you could be the best counselor, you, you know, some other things we're going to talk about this morning, but if you don't genuinely care about people, all that's going to be for naught, right? It has to start with love. So if I have to use a, another cheesy title this morning, right? What is love? Okay, well, let, let's start with the definition. Well, many of you probably know the Greek word most commonly used for love in the Bible is agape. And if you, if you look that up in a dictionary, a Greek dictionary would talk about warm regard and interest for one another. Another picture that we use in the Bible, even the word, is this idea of brotherly love. And think about that. I mean, many of you have brothers in the room, and we don't always have the same personality as our brothers. We don't always sometimes even totally get along with our brothers. But at the same time, there's always that element of, that's my brother. And if there was a need, I mean, I would try to step up and meet it because that's my brother, and I care about them because of who they are, just because of the fact that they're my brother. And so maybe a working definition for love, I would say... Uh, when we're talking about love in the context of leadership in the church, it's a genuine care and commitment to the good of other people. A genuine care and commitment to the good of other people. That you look at them and say, I care about this person and I genuinely want what is best for them, even if that costs me. That that is the attitude that all of us need to have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now I want us to turn to Colossians chapter 3, and that's the main passage I want to look at here. We went through Colossians chapter 3 over the summer at our church, and it's a, it's a passage I love to go to with new believers. When they're like, alright, I put my faith in Christ, now what? I'm like, well, let's get to Colossians chapter 3. 
Because it says, hey, this is the mindset that we need to have. And if we have that, we're going to stop doing all these things. We're going to start doing these things. And we're going to pick it up in verse 12 where it starts the list of, hey, these are the things you need to start doing. And basically what we're going to see is if we had to, he gets there eventually, but if we had to sum up the whole list, it's about love. This whole list is about love. And I want to, us to look at that, and I want us to see three things, three ways that love is going to shape us as leaders. And it starts there just with the first couple phrases, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So as it starts to teach us what it looks like to love other people, it starts by reminding us that we are Loved. The first thing, the way that love should shape us as leaders, is it starts with a focus on God's love. The love we need to have as leaders starts with a focus on God's love. To love other people, you have to remember how much God loves you. And to show this, keep your, your, your finger in Colossians 3, and if you want to turn or if you just want to listen, go back to John 13, which... This is the chapter where Jesus tells his disciples, hey, love one another as I have loved you. And it starts with one of the greatest examples of love shown through sacrificial service as Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And I want you to notice a few things about that. So it's John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, now before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That's an amazing statement. Consider the context. Who is Jesus with? He's with the 12 disciples. What's about to happen? One of those 12 is about to betray him, and the other 11 are about to abandon him. Right? These are the guys that he's talking to. And it says that even though he knows that, he loves them to the end. How does he do that? Keep listening or reading. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, here we go, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, He rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garment, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and then he goes on to wash the disciples' feet. His act of sacrificial love towards people that apparently didn't really love him that much started with Jesus being secure and remembering what his relationship was like with God. That God had given him all things, that he had come from God, that he was going back to God, right? He was secure in his relationship with his heavenly father, and that allowed him to pour himself out sacrificially in love for his disciples. And that's what's true for us. We have to start with a remembrance that God loves us if we are going to love other people. Let me try to switch up these mics and see if that makes the buzzing go away. Hopefully that helps. So it starts with a focus on God's love. Because if you're going to lead other people and serve other people, you are going to, even an image that the Bible uses is you're going to pour yourself out for 
other people. And here's the thing, if you're saying, well, hey, I'm going to pour myself out and other people are going to pour right back into me and it's going to be great. In theory, that is great. And hopefully that's what it looks like. But the reality is it's not always going to happen. There's going to be times where you're pouring yourself out. And at least from that other person, nothing is being poured back in to you. And if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for that response all the time, you are going to end up empty and dry. Right? We're, the picture is we need to be overflowing with God's love. And then that allows us to pour ourselves out for other people. Right? Every time in ministry I feel empty or dry, right? And any of us, we get to go fill our cup from the never-ending fountain of the love of God through Jesus Christ. I mean, and even the picture that we want is say, hey, I've taken a hose and attached it to my heart from this never-ending fountain of the love of Christ. And so now my heart has just become a fountain of love that I can endlessly pour out to other people because I have this endless, unfathomable supply of love always coming to me every day, every morning from the love of God through Jesus Christ. It's essential that we have to start with remembering that because if you want to lead because of the response you'll get, not a great idea. You're not always going to get the response that you're looking for. But if you want to lead because, wow, I'm so impacted by what Jesus has done for me, now we're talking, right? That is what we want. Also, it'll set up your whole attitude with humility, that it's not about you. You're a humble recipient of God's love, and that's what you're seeking to pour out to others. And that's what we see as we start to go on. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. So first thing about the love that we need to have as leaders is it starts with a focus on God's love. The second thing is it changes our fundamental feelings towards others. It changes our fundamental feelings towards others. And we're going to see it, the love that we have just like punches pride straight in the face, right? It, it, if we're really focused on the love that we're getting from God, it will be impossible for us to lead others in a way that is full of pride or arrogance. And instead, what we're going to see is kindness, humility, and meekness. And, and even before that, compassionate hearts. I, I love that. And you see Jesus, even the word there for hearts, it, it's actually more technically like the word for your, your gut. And it even talks about Jesus when he's moved with compassion, right? The word, it's like referring to, you know, it's the Greek word splengthen, which is referring to your intestines, right? It says that Jesus, he sees the crowds and he's moved with compassion. The idea is he's, he's moved in his gut for these people. And, and as Christians, but we should always have compassion for other people, especially when we see someone maybe that's lost, especially when we see somebody that's struggling instead of just... Oh, What's this person's deal? Why don't they put their faith in Christ? Or why is this person so immature? What's, what's going on with that, right? Instead of that being our response, it's, man, I love this person. How could I help this person, right? That, that's our response. It's compassion. We're moved for them. And then it changes even our tone. It's one of kindness, right? That, that's the tone that we want to come across as we seek to love other people. Uh, a warmth, a, a generosity, towards them. Never a coldness, never a harshness, but a kindness. And it's a humility. It doesn't, true and good spiritual leadership never comes from a place of, well, hey, 
I've got it all figured out. I've got so much to offer this person. That's not where it comes from. And it's not saying, oh, well, I'll give something to this person so they'll give me something back. It's, no, I want to point this person to the love of Christ that I've received. And I want to give not expecting anything in return. My, my leadership should never be about me. It's empowered by Christ and pointing people back to Christ. And then there's a meekness, which is the idea of even a strength that's under control, right? A strength that you're not even always doing everything that you could almost say I have a right to do. The ultimate example of this meekness is Jesus, who could have been 100% right to just obliterate all the people betraying him and arresting him and beating him and crucifying him. But he was meek, and he put up with it, even though he had the right to do more. And so even as somebody that's trying to now influence others, you never do that in a way that tries to make somebody else feel stupid. You never do that in a way that even would come across as putting someone else down. Oh, you're reading that book? Oh, well, let me talk to you, right? right? Like, that's never the tone that we want to have with people. And some of you here, right, you might even have a, a position where you're, you're leading, you know, whether it's youth ministry or a life group or you're, you're leading in some possible way. And that's never really, you know, this boom, that's the card I want to lead with every time. Well, hey, I'm a leader, so listen to me, right? I'm not trying to assert my authority. I'm just trying to love and to serve and to point people towards Jesus Christ. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. Those become our fundamental feelings towards other people. So it starts with a focus on God's love. It changes our fundamental feelings towards others. And then third, we'll see from those next words, it talks about patience. It talks about bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Right? So number three there, this kind of love as a leader, it leads you to a willingness to endure wrong. It leads to a willingness to endure wrong. And that's those next three phrases. All of them have that idea. Patience, uh, you know, maybe in, we'll, we'll get there, but if you want to lead other people, prepare for it to not always go well. Even to be totally frank, prepare to be mistreated. You will say things with the best intentions that are even right things to say, and you will be misunderstood, you will be mischaracterized, and sometimes your words will be weaponized against you, right? And you'll be like, what in the world? That's not in any way what I was trying to intend. That's not what I was trying to say. That's not where my heart was. And, and that will happen to you. And on top of that, you, none of us in this room, you, none of you will seek to lead others perfectly. And there will be times that you do something that you could have done better, and that'll get blown out of proportion, and you're going to pour out yourself out for people, even that, frankly, sometimes will stab you in the back. Or they will just walk away from you. They'll walk away from the church. They'll walk away from the faith. And you'll be like, man, I sacrificed so much, and that's the result. And that's where love leads to a willingness to endure that wrong. We see it talks about patience. 
And some, you know, I think King James translation used the word a lot, long-suffering. And that's actually a great translation of the Greek word that we translate patience, right? It's that idea of, I, I, like, literally, the Greek, that is the idea, long-suffering, right? I've got a long fuse. And even suffering, right? I'm willing to put up for a long time with suffering. That's what patience really is. Or then it says bearing with one another, right? That's the idea that the other person's going to be doing something that they shouldn't be doing, but you are bearing with them. And if you want to lead and influence others, lots of times you've got to be the bigger person. You've got to be the one saying, okay, I'm going to swallow my feelings and how I feel about some of these things to bear with and to encourage and be patient with somebody else. And ultimately, there's going to be times just of forgiveness. And as a leader, you have to set the tone in forgiveness. And there's going to be times where you have to do it unilaterally, right? Where it's not like the other person is willing to come and confess everything that that they've done, right? But you're going to have to say, hey, I'm going to forgive this person, and I'm not going to hold it against them. And right now, we're not seeing eye to eye on this, but I'm going to put it aside. I'm going to swallow it, and I'm going to continue to love this person. And the human who, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words in Colossians, I think he's a great example of this. The the three things that love should work on our hearts, that it starts with a focus on God's love, it changes our fundamental feelings towards others, and it leads to a willingness to endure wrong. The Apostle Paul was a great example of that. If he didn't live this out, all we would have is the book of Corinthians. Because there wouldn't be a 1 Corinthians and a 2 Corinthians. I mean, go back and read that sometime. Like, the Corinthians was a problem child church, right? Trouble, trouble, trouble. And it wasn't just they were dealing with drama in the church. A lot of that was starting to get directed at Paul. They were making it personal. And people, some of the false teachers there, were attacking Paul. And people at the church were starting to go with those people. Paul had poured himself out for them, and now some of them are slandering Paul, right? That doesn't feel good. But look, he continues to love them. He shows, hey, patience, bearing with one another, and ultimately even forgiving them. And read 2 Corinthians, right? It's an amazing example of what this love looks like. As Paul continues to love them, even though there's a lot of mistreatment coming back, from them. This is something that is essential for, for leadership, right? Because none of us are perfect, so we even need to start from a place of humility, and that's what's going to happen when we're realizing, hey, it's all about God's love for me. It's not about what I have to offer. It's what Jesus has to offer, and that's what I'm trying to give. And then it leads to, hey, I'm willing to get, get dirty, love and serve other people, whether that's being sacrificial, like washing their feet or whatever you know, practical way I can serve them. And sometimes I'm going to seek to do something to help somebody else out, and that's not going to go well. And honestly, sometimes this is not even your fault, but you're going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to swallow it. I'm going to put up with it and I, because I love this person. And even then when we deal with things, it helps so much because then when we do have to deal with somebody even who is legitimately in sin, and we'll talk about this later, we get to take ourselves out of it. And that's so important as we approach people. Because if we approach people with all of our hurt and our anger that we've allowed to build up in our heart because of how we feel mistreated, guess what? It's not going to come across the way it should with the love of Christ, with the goal to win people over. 
But when we make it not about us, because, hey, I don't need something from other people. I've got everything I need from the love of Christ, right? That changes things. Love has everything to do with spiritual leadership. And so if spiritual leadership gets you interested because you're thinking leadership, I like that. I get to tell people what to do. I get to have authority or maybe I'll get some title or position, right? Again, I will point out our three exits and feel free to utilize (laughs) any of them, right? That's not the idea. But if you're here today because you love Jesus Christ and you're saying, hey, Jesus Christ gave his life for the church and I want to follow suit, right? Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what every leader That's the mindset that we all need to have. It all begins with love.